Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you all. I'm delighted to welcome you to today's fascinating webinar titled Personal Data, the New Charitable Economic Asset. Personal data and charity, clearly related, no? In today's world, our personal data is constantly collected and processed. When we book a restaurant table online, shop with Apple Pay, use a mobile app, browse the web and numerous other daily activities, vast amounts of our personal data is collected and stored under the auspices of providing a better customer experience, or as some would say, to increase commercial opportunities and profit. But what if the AI-powered algorithms that transform this data into intelligence about the behaviour of individuals could be put to better use by being, donate, being donated to research projects and academic studies which support good causes and improve people's lives? Well, wonder no more, as today Simon Hisami, founder of Donor, a tech non-profit platform that facilitates personal data sharing with academic institutions, is here with us to explain how we can use our most valuable online asset for charity. Simon has a PhD in mathematics and over 10 years experience in data science and business. And Simon is also head of the UK and Ireland AI Centre of Excellence at SEA Partners, a next generation management consulting firm. Before I hand over to Simon, some brief housekeeping points. I'm Charlotte Dorbrashley, and it is my pleasure to manage the FS Club here at CN. And I'd like to warmly acknowledge our very generous sponsors who enable us to continue to bring you a wide range of thought-provoking content across finance, technology, and economics. The slides for this public presentation are publicly available on our website and in the chat box. The session will be recorded and available to watch on our website within 48 hours. And we'll also be holding a 20-minute Q&A session after this presentation. So please use the GoToWebinar chat facility to send your questions in to me, and then I'll feed them into the conversation. Now, um, I'll get out of the way and welcome you to take the virtual floor, Simon. Thank you very much. Uh, I think before, before starting, we will have like a little, a, a quick uh, poll before going through the, the presentation, if it's okay, Charlotte. Sounds good. Shall we started? So that we've got a poll question up here now. Have you ever donated personal data? A, no. B, yes, I understand that my data is my most valuable online asset and I want it put to good use. C, yes, though I don't know how value is generated from it. Or D, yes, for another reason. So we'll just leave the poll up there for a minute or so to give everyone a chance to answer. leave it up there for a moment longer. People are generally pretty fast at answering these things. I'm intrigued to see um, what the answer to this is actually. Right, we should have the um, results view in a moment. No, other than So 56% have never donated their personal data. Um, and wow, yeah, 33% don't know how the value will be generated. And yes, that 11% yes, but for another reason. So I think everyone's eager to learn how the value can be generated and how they can donate, uh, Simon. Great, thank you very much. Uh, I will just do it. Uh, thank you very much for your 
for your interest and thank you for in this uh, webinar and thank you uh, uh, for your interest in this uh, topic uh, for sharing our personal data with academic research organization to benefit society sorry i i'm i would say before going through the the, the presentation i would say what exactly you know my my own personal interest in this uh, topic it's uh, uh it's back from during like 2013, 2016, when I was doing my PhD studies in epidemiology uh, topic. Um, and I was interested at, uh, at uh, epidemiologic modeling at individual levels to understand how the, the groups of people forming a group, the, the individual forming a group in the society and uh, how the different uh, parameter of the uh, group size, the how long they stay together can actually unpack the equation behind the disease spread. At that uh, time, I didn't have access to real-life data. The real-life data is, for example, geolog data geolocalization that you can have in your phone to understand if the people, they, they are close together, if they uh, uh, form a group uh, or not. Uh, all my findings was based on simulation but at that time i was thinking what is, is it quite a bit unfair that we as an academic we don't have access to this kind of data however this kind of data could be used easily by some private organization i'm sure that you have this experience yourself as well sometimes for looking something googling something in in the internet and then uh, you 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 could be targeted for some services or product uh, after searching for uh, some information on the internet. Uh, I had my own uh, personal experience as well. Uh, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Paris and was waiting for a friend of mine to, to go somewhere. And I, I waited for 30, 40 minutes. And uh, that was after, after that, the friend, uh, he, he arrived. We had a very uh, nice uh, um, meeting. But the day after, the interesting was the day after, I have received a lot of advertisement to buy an apartment in Paris. And to be honest with you, at that point of time, I didn't even you know, think about buying uh, an apartment in Paris. It's so expensive. I was, and then I was interested why, what was the reason? It was interesting because when I investigated that, actually I was just close these, these 30, 40 minutes I was waiting. I was standing just next to the uh, state agency for 40 minutes. So I think these data, the geolocalization data that probably uh, data gathered by um, my phone uh, and related and linked with some different data, my personal data, like my state to my working state to my age, et cetera, et cetera. And give the, his algorithm the, the good reason to target me as a good you know, profile someone that want to buy apartment probably because stayed a long time around this state agency and then my data probably or like my profile was targeted and uh, for some private uh, companies so i was i was thinking so these kind of data used for this you know targeted advertisement but a lot more can be done if we can actually use these data for academics or for some medical research, especially. We know already they have a lot of possibility, for example, in, in physical health research, in mental health research, in epidemiology, that's the, the, the background, my background, my own background, and even in you know, social science and economic research. 
we can use this data at individual levels to use and bring some value to our research. I'll just give it quick examples. I think the epidemiological, epidemiological uh, in a particular context, this is a good example because we know that when uh, coronavirus happened, it started in 2019 after that, uh, all this tracking application by DAVU, this phone uh, mobile data is actually used at individual level to, pre to prevent and to limit the transmission of uh, uh, virus at the population level. So there is a, there is a good uh, example of uh, this. I think we all had this experience when using this tracking application. Another example in the health-related behavior, I would say this retail data. This study was really interesting for me as well uh, because it's, it's the first is like it's the, you have done and something it's in, continuing the studies, ongoing the studies, and the, uh, the researcher in Alan Turing Institute and University of Bristol working on it to understand unhealthy uh, eating behavior and this rela uh, relationship for some uh, uh, disease like Alzheimer, like diabetes, and even in the cancer. As we know uh, now in oncology studies and uh, cancer cancerology studies, uh, we know the uh, characteristics, the uh, environment characteristics, can be can be a very important factor that on um, for uh, for uh, for cancers for patients with cancers as well. In this particular. Uh, the researchers they are interesting uh, for about the royalty cars data. They capture data from royalty car, for example, Tesco. You know your Tesco when you're going to have a royalty car, you can buy everything. Then exactly the you know the amount of the uh, the the good stuffs you're buying, the alcohol you're buying, everything is actually uh, collected, and they can process this data to to see for the different region in, for example, England, and the the relation between the this data. The on I would say unhealthy unhealthy eat, uh, eating behavior and uh, the the mortality rate for uh, some diseases as, as I mentioned like Alzheimer like cancer. The other good example is predicting uh, uh, poverty in the world by using the mobile phone data. This is this particular studies have done by University of Washington, but it was in Rwanda, and they tried to use the uh, the individual uh, um, uh, mobile data to understand how they can predict the poverty and uh, the wealth in different region of the um, Rwanda. And the other interesting example I would say it will be the mobile data, uh, phone data used for mental health research. These particular studies, the objective is to detect the severity of the uh, depression. And uh, as, as you might know, even the, the other research showed that, for example, the photo that you capture in your phone and your interaction actually with, uh, with uh, social media by your phone, it could be very related um, with your mood and your mental health. So this is study try to use these data. Of course, they're sending some for the, the, the partnership and some uh, questionnaire on real time by gathering and analyzing, processing this real time, real time uh, data at individual level. They try to identify depression severity. So as you see, there is there is still, uh, you know, a lot of a, a big gap between 
known use of uh, non-commercial use and commercial use of personal data. But the question is why there is this big gap still we have. Even with the really good studies, we, we can see the examples that I tried to show, but there's still very, uh, a big gap between these two. I think the first thing, the problem it will be because we don't really, um, sorry, we, we don't really, the first problem uh, is we don't, this is, is about the lack of understanding of digital footprints. I don't know how many of you know exactly what is your digital footprint, what the value of your data and this shadow of data we put behind us when we are in the internet, all the application we use. And second problem, I think, because Collecting storage data, if we're thinking about that this data has to be used in a good for a good causes with the research institutions, but it's, it's, it's not really, you know, in uh, it's outside of the mainstream of academic research. And it's a, for example, I remember my uh, during my PhD studies and all the research that are working, but we already, you know, do, do we focusing on all research and then trying to, for example, uh, think about developing an application for collecting data from scratch, it will be really another you know, challenge for the researchers you're doing. So that is the, the other reason I was thinking that the second problem that need to bring some solution for that. And as Charlotte introduced me, I uh, developed a nonprofit uh, platform called Donate and these two problems actually I tried to solve them. And first uh, solution for me was how we can bring in a platform that helps allowing an individual to understand their personal de uh, data and what is the, you know, uh, the, the value of data they have. Because if we don't understand that or assets, we cannot actually think about it that we can share it and what could be, what would be the impact of this sharing for us. And of course, as a data owner, everyone wants to be in control of data. We know that and any time they ask us for, are you agree with some data, we're just clicking. So we're just clicking because we're using the websites, but what is the, what the kind of this data, what the collection about us and how they are going to use this data. So I think the problem is we are not in center of this. Uh, uh, platforms. So we need a platform that put data and the data owners in center of the data solutions. And secondly, as I said, we need to bring some solution that is like crowd data sourcing, that people they can they can they can see the what, for example, the researchers what kind of data sources they need for their research. What could be the the consequence of the my data sharing for them? And the researcher can have access to high quality and anonymized data, which would going through all these, uh, I would say, complexity of uh, being compliance, for example, data uh, for data prediction, GDPR. They have to, you know, the, 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 the researcher, they have a lot of uh, uh, challenge to uh, in fa facing with. So that it could be something, the platform that could be help them to accelerate their research. And of course, uh, before having access, as I explained, uh, having the advantage of automated collection and process of data to uh, uh, speed up their research process. Uh, for this, I think the, the donate and the platform like donate that helps data sharing for good, they're trying to bring these two together, data, data, uh, data owners and data consumers as a researchers. We know that this, the researcher want to have access to the data at the individual level and with it, the other side, the individual, they need to understand the data value impact for their research. 
of course, in the one side, we will need to do all the data protection compliance. Researchers need to comply with this regulation. And the other side, the data owners, they want to have the protection of their privacy and not stop have this privacy control. And the other, the other important aspect is for we need to understand what are the consequences of the data donation. So the problem even we have some uh, application already that help to um, people to share the data, but we don't, we don't understand what would be the consequence and maybe we don't stay constantly informed about these consequences. So the application like the uh, application like Donate, they would be the, the application that actually help uh, and put the data and data owners in the center of the solution and to accelerate the research process. I will, I will give the five really important keys for us if you are going to work with the platforms, if you are going to, think to, to share data for good. For good. The first thing, at, uh, as my point, in my point of view, as a data owner, it will be anonymization. We need to have a very important uh, uh, guaranteed data the anonymization uh, for this in this platform. Already we know, for example, there is a different way of anonymization. If uh, we have a, a data point for some uh, place with the AI uh, powered anonymization algorithm, we can actually, for if for a given uh, um, geolocalization data, we can add some nodes to protect, for example, the uh, uh, the information, even if it's not information related to ID or um very personal data but even to detect who is for example the person in one area that have some specific for example imagine in uh, health uh, uh, in the health sector they have a one specific um, disease and we can protect this person in that area to the, to not re-identify uh, that person uh, i think we need to have a very secure connection uh, with the different channels, because if we're talking about the data, uh, personal data, or personal data could be anything coming from the internet, all the application you use. I don't know if you use, for example, Facebook. In Facebook, you you, you have after GDPR um, uh, regulation. Uh, every every uh, application or every company they need to comply with that. And as a data owners. We, we can have access to our data and see all what they, ca uh, they collected and processed from our data. So the, the application that they, the platform that needs to, to share this data has to be secure connection to this data and of course has to be secure when they store the data in their uh, platform from different sources. As I said, Facebook, Instagram, it could be your Google uh, research history, etc. Search history, etc. And uh, about data evaluation, I said uh, we need to evaluate the power of data because, as you said, we we, we donate or something that or, uh, it uh, will be this platform will be to use machine learning algorithm to understand the different value of your data because the data could have a different value in the different context. The data by itself, by itself, not it could have some value if you add it different and link it. As I said, for example, my example, my, the geolog my geolocalization and with my uh, so maybe uh, social uh, state that helps to link together, that helps to the algorithm to uh, target me as a good buyer or of the apartment, even if it wasn't really well, very well targeted. But imagine 
if we can capture more and link more information, for example, uh, with help of metaverse, how could be this targeted be very, very precise? But the fourth uh, element of the data access and security, we need to bring the a framework that we can restrict access anytime as a data owner if you're not happy for it. I, I remember I donated as well my data for some research studies, but afterward I didn't have any access. I didn't know if they, they asked me the first, okay, you, your data you might use for different research, but I didn't know this data in what kind of research. And even after two, three years, I don't want to, you know, no longer uh, give access to my data to everyone. So we need to have a framework that actually tracking all these different use of the data uh, of the data owners. And finally, I would think that transparency is really, really important. We need to give, we need to inform the data owners about what was the consequence of the data sharing uh, with the different institutions. We need to be really, really transparent about the process, data processing, and what is the reason we use and uh, the data, and what kind of anonymization we actually, uh, algorithm we use. So that is something I think is important point, it's important point, transparency, and gives more um, trust for people that want to uh, donate their data, that yeah, I think looking at the, the, the existing uh, platforms, I haven't seen yet that transparency uh, coming from these platforms for data sharing. It, maybe that is the reason we, we have like 56 percent, uh, percent per percentage of the people participating in this uh, webinar. They didn't, uh, they didn't donate their data. Because if we were, maybe if these the platforms, existing platforms, they were transparent about using the data and we could donate our data easily and trust them. So as I as I uh, introduced myself as I, I, I founded Donate uh, non-profit uh, platform, it's not something operational I would say. I made it this uh, as an MVP and uh, I, I try to bring a lot of interest. The subject I'm really, really interested. I, I try to bring investment, uh, but it's as you might know, because uh, you're more interested in financial maybe sector, it will be, it's really, really hard to bring uh, investment to something that is non-profit. So for now, it's, uh, it's, it's not yet uh, operational. But as an MVP, I'm working still on it. There is uh, some uh, improvement. And uh, the idea, as you see, the idea it was to making a platform that could be a kind of Instagram-like uh, platform that people that can see exactly what is the different uh, research projects that the researcher needs the data at individual levels and how the people they can actually uh, go through this project and share their data and they can see exactly all the process of the data preparation, data processing, and it's any time they want to, you know, they, they want to uh, give the, the data access to uh, the, uh, for a given research studies or even uh, restrict their, their data access, uh, they are data owners, they are, uh, uh, they, they have this uh, 
uh, hand on and they can do anything they want to do with the data. So they, the idea is this and I hopefully it will be something that uh, uh, I will go through it and develop it more and more. So for me, it's now it's, uh, it's my end, end of my presentation. I hope you uh, you enjoyed this uh, presentation and gave this gave you some more uh, interest in how your data could be a shareable uh, and, and chargeable asset and you can share it easily with some impactful research, hopefully. Thank you very much again for your interest. Thank you very much, Simon. Um, I'd like to encourage our audience to keep sending your questions in um, using the chat facility. To kick things off though, um, currently, are there any operational data sharing platforms we can use to, denote, to donate data for good at the moment? Uh, yeah, as, as, as I said, you know, my, my, the, the donor is not, is not operational yet, but we have some example like uh, uh, My Data is a Swiss-based Swiss uh, application that actually uh, um, platform. They try to uh, use this very based, by, based on, uh, I would say, the application. Uh, kind of it means that if you want to share your data for research in I would say uh, uh, in mental health There is a one application that you could go through this application You download this application in your phone and you through it and you, you share your data You will get some for example questionnaire. You need to answer the question and your data go through uh, Through the studies uh, There is another that is more research. I would say that is open humans is more for researchers You go there you can even you know, uh, you have your uh, your Facebook data, and you, sh you can share your Facebook data for the researcher for that particular uh, research. But it's more like people have to know more like uh, coding uh, expert, um, and I would say expertise to use this platform. And there is a platform uh, from EU uh, uh, commissions that called uh, My Data. There is something is not yet actually operational, but there is there will be the big. Uh, uh, big platform like Donate that try to help the people if they want to share the data for research and academic institutions. Great. And then uh, Michael Parker asks, is personal health data given freely to charities as it is given to the private sector working in health? Uh, there is there is a lot you know there is a lot of uh, studies that are going using this you know personal data to share for health data. The health data is they have we have a really special you know they have a really special uh, um, I would say uh, provide they have a special uh, regulation for that. It's it's not easy to use even if you work for pharmaceutical company in health you have very regulated you have to use it. So uh, I would say there is in for Dona actually we try to. Uh, uh, in in my, my previous uh, university, they were interested to know how this kind of platform can use to can be used uh, for clinical trials, and if the people want to participate for a clinical trial and share the data. So there is a, some, for example, a regulation that we can use this, uh, you know, the, comply with this regul regulation and then help, you know, donated data for uh, clinical trials that could be in the public and it could be, for example, for pharmaceutical companies that is a private. So if both it will be, you know, it will be possible. Okay. Um, and then Graham Elliott's asked, will there be a distortion in the research results arising from the fact that the data is not random and that participants self-select? 
Yeah, that, that is a good question. And I think for a different, it depends really different between a research project, because when you're trying the, the researcher, they will try the policy of the data, what, what, uh, what data they targeted and what data they needed. So that, I think that is, 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 the, is the framework that they, they need to, you know, the, the researcher more is when the researcher, uh, the project and the researcher want to uh, collect the data. And of course, there will be in in any research, there will be kind of bias and random, you know, uh, random uh, impact. I think that it will be really dependent on studies, different studies. And I won't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think all the studies we we can order, you know, uh, uh, studies we can put in this category of using individual data at this level, which the the prof with the platform like Donny. Sort of um, related to that, um, from Michael Parker again, he said, um, COVID-19 did not help BAME staff and patients, and the government commissioned and performed research to prove that the raw data showed a bias, so raw data showing a bias against BAME was wrong, and then the data was proven to be valid and verified. Um, so that research was ignored. So how do you sort of look at both the risks and rewards in this area? Uh, to be honest, no, I haven't uh, looked at this area, but I, I agree with you. They will have a bias, and I, I agree with you. Uh, the when when we did it, you know, for for COVID nineteen, I think something it was uh, it wasn't in the in the in the heart of this application was the transparency. I think the transparency was something that just if if it's not we don't have a transparency, the bias could be uh, become after because they you know the data collected data and the people maybe you know they will be like the good example sample of the people that uh, uh, donate their data but i think it's interesting to go i haven't yeah in this in this area i didn't you know i don't have a precise answer for this question and then clive bullens asked what are the risks that one of the researchers will use the data to do something negative to the data donors even though they're anonymous and also the risk that the uh, information will be misread like the estate agents as you uh, mentioned saying uh, the, the idea behind the platform like doing is just bring the platform and put the ethic in the heart of that and the idea is behind it wasn't the the the, the, uh, the, the platform that the uh, you know the researcher they don't have you know they cannot bring the data out of the uh, platform they can use it and every you know the data process will be defined before you know before uh, put the project in the application so i think it will be really really controlled but i i do, I, I don't have real you know i don't have a you know because you know we, we we always put the ethic in the research and i think all researchers they have these ethics already you know Think, um, using the data you have a lot of researchers yeah um sorry Simon I think you just froze a bit there but you're um you're back now and then um Graham's asked again so he understands that cookies will be abolished and replaced by something called the walled garden next year um would that reduce the efficacy of the project uh, sorry, what was the, 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 the exact question for this project using the cookies in the, uh, for, for example, collecting donor, you mean? Yeah, so he said, well, the, wall, the when the cookies are replaced by the walled garden, will that affect the project? Uh, 
some of the some of the these cookies are not actually collect all the data they use for you know for help your the, the older your the website working we are we are just about you know for example gathering your ips of course you know, but you know it's part of your personal data but you know i i didn't go through this project or at that level to going for example gathering the cookies information now to thinking about what is the cookies for me it was about the data it comes from the different resources for example facebook Google connection from different application that is real personal data. For example, when in the examples of the royalty card, this information is more precise than, for example, if you're using the you know website, they got, get some information uh, from your you know the history of your search in, in Google, etc. I think that could be interesting, but for this uh, project, is not in my you know the, the way you know it's not in the first prioritizing. I would say it's not in priority for me gathering this data. And then I guess on the other hand, um, does GDPR impact our ability to share our personal data for good? I think it does because GDPR give us this as a data owner when it happened, you know, in 2000 from 2018, it gave us this possibility to already ask the, you know, the, the big uh, private companies to have access to our data. To understand what they are collecting, to understand what is the data process they have, I think that is the first step that put the data owner in the center of all the solution, and give us this possibility to understand our data. So if I'm owner of my data, if I notice uh, the, the impact of my data, I can share it if I want. That is all this about the you know the the, the, the the data owners. It's not about just saying okay, we captured your data, we process your data, and now that is the results. No. I am in the center of interest and I want to be, you know, owner of the, my data to know what I'm going to do with my data. Then um, from Michael Parker again, he said, um, research on uh, black Americans regarding sexually transmitted disease caused harm over decades. How do, how do we prevent that from happening again? Uh, I think there is a lot of lot of work on it. I think that is one part. It comes from AI ethics and how actually you know, or we need to think from from scratch when we are going to you know uh, develop an application, develop a research project. How we can you know bring the 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 the, the different people that they have this you know checklisting of the or uh, AI ethics or project. I think that is when, for example, for GDPR when the uh, the, the comply for the GDPR. Now we have a checklist we are going. How we can, you know, actually reduce the bias? How can we uh, uh, protect the data, uh, personal data? I think in this case, we need to have a, a framework, ethic framework, and uh, try to, you know, try to reduce this bias and this problem with the, with the AI algorithms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Michael says that uh, GDPR has exemptions for health um, and these protections have been removed. So that doesn't, he said, how does this create confidence really? But, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if that is, but I think, I think this, you know, the GDPR is something that make us, yeah, yeah I think before GD, we, we need to compare what was before GDPR and now after GDPR. I think we are now in the good place to say at least having something is better than having not having you know some kind of regulations. Yeah, it's all it's still all relatively new, and we're sort of learning I as we go along. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more work to be done, um, definitely, but 
we're making progress. I, I think we're making progress. And another thing is, is important, I think we need to look at it GDPR, how impact us, what, what is our rights. I think we are not yet really, really interested in our personal data. How can we protect? We're just going through this, okay, the websites, we, okay, I can give access because I use it. But it's really, you know, it's, I think it's behind that. Uh, the GDPR and how it can help us. If you are going through it and know all rights, I think that it will really something at individual level. We need to go through it. We can learn it. We can own. We need to own our data. That I think that is the that will be the next step for us. And this this kind of GDPR regulation regulation they will help us as well in this direction. And also increasing people's um, understanding of the value um, and protection required with their data. Obviously, the audience, I think, today is very knowledgeable on the subject, but everyday people, um, perhaps uh, not so much. But it looks like we're sort of coming to the end of our, our questions now. So thank you um, very much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you this morning, Simon. And uh, once again, thanks to our wonderful sponsors for making these webinars possible. And um, very important, thank you to you, our lovely audience, for your time and contributions today. And don't forget to check out our forthcoming events page on our website. We've got more stimulating topics coming up uh, this week as well. So on Thursday, we've got the four ages of American foreign policy, which should be very interesting and should be some lots of discussion around that. And then on Monday, uh, satellite-based sustainability data. You can also join a webinar from your smartphone or listen on your podcast uh, app of choice. So thank you very much, everyone, and take care. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.